Welcome to Dogfin Radio, as we play with microphones. Hey, everybody. <laughs> hey, everyone. So, uh, we didn't have anything going on this week, so we decided to do uh, a little different test. Um, we all have our, we have our segment called Randy Remembers. This week, it's going to be called Randy and John Read Along. And this week, we're going to read the unproduced and probably... Highly no. illegal. <laughs> nah, they're never going to make this movie. Uh, screenplay. Couldn't stop the blood-sucking lawyers. Yeah. Screenplay uh, by Kevin Smith called Superman Lives. It's a wonderful, harrowing tale that we're going to read. Well, at least I'm going to read for the first time. Randy, you've read this thing how many times? I've read the first 20 pages. <laughs> okay, so that works for you. I'm doing this. Well, you we read like foot. Five pages so f- at least I've read five pages so far. There you go. So this will be fun, more than likely. Oh yeah. So uh, this will be. So it'll give us a chance to work out our voice acting chops, as well as I don't know whatever kind of. Plus, you know, it's not like we're gonna have to worry about screwing up. We'll just stop and keep and take a pause and keep going. Yes. Lots of editing. Heavy editing. Hey, fun for me. Oh, yes, the heavy editing is going to come out because Jar Jar Binks is the nomination. God, I wonder what character Jar Jar is going to be. Uh, He's going to be the thing that goes pop when a vehicle runs over, runs it over. Good. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, uh, all right, ready? Yeah, let's uh, do this. Superman Lives, written by Kevin Smith. All right, page one. Exterior space. An alien craft floats through the void, approaching a slow-moving asteroid. Interior alien craft. Two humanoid aliens dressed in uniform pilot their craft nearer to the asteroid. Receiving a signal from an alien system, but there's interference on the channels. Once we get past this asteroid, it should clear up. Suddenly, through the windshield... We see tentacles shoot out of the asteroid. Exterior space. Tentacles wrap themselves around the craft, and electrical energy courses between the pair. The asteroid reveals itself to be the Brainiac Skull Ship, a tentacle craft that looks like it sounds. A set of jaws protrude and puncture the hull of the small craft. It glows white hot with power. Interior Skull Ship. Operating theater. We see a surgical table, its contents obscured by the shadows save for the back of a malformed head. Computer banks and monitors are everywhere. A small robot works beside the table, implanting a cable into the back of the malformed head. It throws a switch. Raw energy blows through the cable, causing the patient to convulse and writhe, screaming. Close-up metallic shaft. As it begins to configure, taking the shape of an arm, we see the same thing happen to other parts of his body. Hands, legs, facial features. Exterior space. The craft the skull ship holds then goes dark, the energy being sucked from it having run dry. Interior skull ship operating theater. The patient stops convulsing as the cable attached to its head ceases to glow. That was all the energy the craft yielded? The craft was a short ranger, my lord. I'm surprised that can had enough juice to give you this much form. We pulled... 1.9 1.9 trigs out of it. There's nothing more to get. An inaccurate assessment. Interior small craft. 
the frightened aliens try to restart their craft. Motion detectors are picking up something breaching the hull. The doors melt. Brainiac enters. Humanoid in appearance, green-skinned, black-eyed, red-lipped, metallic, and bald. A series of metal relays crisscross his forehead. Three solid circles intersected, intersected by straight lines. The alien reaches for laser gatlings and fires, but they cause no damage. Brainiac instead grabs the weapons, jamming them into his body, consuming the lasers into his form, energizing. He drops the guns, and his hands morph into tentacles, which plunge into the chest of the terrified aliens. He absorbs their life forces, making them husks, at which point they explode, covering the cabin in goo. Brainiac inhales deeply, charged. <sighs> Sorry, that <I> did. <laughs> Exterior space. <laughs> Tentacles of the skull ship unravel from the wrecked craft. The skull ship powers up and thrusts into the void. Interior skull ship bridge. Brainiac watches space part before him on the view screen. Elrond joins him, holding a containment unit. The cosmic irony, Elrond. I would have destroyed a world. Am now forced to subsist like a parasite. Once infinite power was my manifest. Now look at the pride of cool. Feeble attempts to maintain even this meager anthropomorphic form. Hey, Leech, you have what passes for legs. What did your search of the craft yield? Aaron holds up the containment jar, which inside scurries a multi-legged fisted creature. Thanagarian snare beast. Infancy stage. Illegal in 16 systems due to the advanced nature of their growth patterns outside of their own atmosphere. Add it to the menagerie. Then, a beacon sounds. On the main screen, scrambled letters and numbers appear forming the distorted image of Lex Luthor, commanding, corporate, suave, bald, and ominous. Greetings! This message transmitted in over a hundred languages comes from you from Earth. I'm Lex Luthor, owner and CEO of LexCorp, a vast powerful conglomerate which dominates trade on this planet. But to whoever life form receives this message... I don't know why I went all Australian again. I don't know. Why is every time? It's hard to... I'm going... I'm trying to do Boston or Jersey. And it just keeps going Australian. Greetings. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Right, I'm Lex Luthor. Let's try that again. Let's see. I'm going to go back to greetings. <laughs> I wish I had like... I am Lex Luthor. All right. Fine, I'll go back to the one I was doing. Yeah. Greetings. This message, transmitted in over a hundred languages, comes to you from Earth. I am Lex Luthor, owner and CEO of LexCorp, a vast and powerful conglomerate that dominates trade on this planet. To whatever life form that may receive this, I extend an invitation to our world, non-hostile and eager to establish contact with any extraterrestrial races. Earth welcomes a visit from... Whomever receives this greeting, I myself call upon you to make contact so that we may establish relations, open trade routes, and discuss any information you might have regarding a visitor to this planet of Kryptonian descent. 
My days of scavenging are over, Elron. Lock onto this transmission and follow it to this earth he speaks of. What for? Jorel's most accomplished creation, Elron. The Eradicator still exists. Brainiac's eyes glow with intrigue. Elrond shrugs and begins entering coordinates. Lex's message continues on screen. From one superior intellect to another, whomever or whatever you may be, I implore you to come to Earth so that we may discuss the problem we call... Interior Television Studio, a close-up of a stiff-looking telejournalist, fills the screen... Superman, friend to Earth or hindrance. Tonight we make a closer look at the Man of Steel. We're in a television studio with the Nightline-like opening logos play, cameras whirl and reposition. Then... Does the existence of a seemingly godlike vigilante impact the world positively or negatively? Examining this with us tonight is LexCorp CEO and Metropolis' second most well-known figure, Lex Luthor. Seated across the host, Lex Luthor winces at the introduction, looking far more congealed than he did in his clip above the skull ship. Lex is in his public persona. Mr. Luther, you've been the most vocal prominent of the Wortham Act, the bill that seeks to outlaw costume vigilantes in the greater metropolitan area. Given that Superman is the sole individual who could fall under this criteria, the question begs asking, why so much distrust of the man of tomorrow? I have no enemies of Superman, Ted. Quite the contrary. I find his flair for fashion and whimsical abilities very David Copperfield. Such a crowd-pleasing showman who makes Metropolis' his home is a boon for the tourist trade. But I do question the good that Superman represents for the human race, beyond entertainment value. Such as? Well, aiding the planet at every turn against war, famine, natural disaster for starters. It represents a complete freeze on the evolutionary process. And what of his more immediate effects on our society? Having Superman make his home in Metropolis is a veritable call to arms for any psychotic with dreams of world domination. The Werner Act would be a deterrent to those who might consider jumping into a pair of tights and challenging the Man of Steel to a battle royale right here in our streets of our fair city. An interesting proposition, Mr. Luther. But one I'm sure your opposition will refute. We welcome City Beat reporter for the Daily Planet, Lois Lane. Oh, fuck. Forgot. Lois is in this script a lot. Um, we, we need a female. Because <laughs> I, I, I can only squeeze my balls so much. Hang <laughs> on, give me a minute. Hey, <laughs> <Eat> whiskey. Nobody padre filets, Spiritus. Lois sits beside Lex, beautiful yet poised, even though she looks thoroughly pissed. The proposed act, which even Metropolis' own Governor Bree opposes, is nothing more than Lex's one-man crusade against Superman. Outlawing the Man of Steel would be like removing the soul of this city. I mean, can anyone even remember what Metropolis was like before Superman arrived? That's awesome. We got Emma Watson to play Lex Lois Lane. That works. Really? <laughs> Sounded like Hermione to me. <laughs> God, I hope they don't have to make nom, it. Nom, 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 nom. Well, okay. There it is. As I recall, there were less red, white, and yellow souvenir stands, Miss Lane. Have you ever been able to look past your blind allegiance to this off-worlder to think that maybe he employs criminals 
to improve his PR. For all we know, they're on his books. In Salem, it was a witch hunt in Hollywood. It was the Red Scare. Leave it to your fertile imagination to come up with Cape Gate. The vermin defense you come up for, come up for him. I'd say the only thing fertile around here is someone's hopes of carrying a super brat one day. That's it. Motherfucker. <laughs> Lois jumps Lex, who tumbles back into his chair. She begins laying into him as the host leans into the frame, addressing the TV audience. We'll be right back. <laughs> Fade to commercial. In an open field, a woman spins a small boy in her arms. Family. It's the bottom line behind every decision she makes. Yours or hers. In November, vote with your heart. The crying at the bottom of the screen reads, paid for by the committee to re-elect Governor Bree, as the visual locks on the small boy in her arms. Cut to exterior Hobbs Bay Street Day. The same small boy exits the bistro, holding the hand of his mother, Governor Catlin Bree. They are flanked by Secret Service men, paparazzi, telejournalists, including Cat Grant, snapping photos. Cat, oh fuck, Cat's another woman. Got another woman on your phone? <laughs> Give me a second. <clears throat> Madam Governor, how was that? <laughs> hey, it's that's just a higher picture, buddy. <laughs> try, uh, try a lower picture, buddy. Oh, God, I'm going to be in the closet here in a second. <laughs> or, you know what? It doesn't have to be a, a chick. It could be a transvestite. Like, Madam Governor, <laughs> how was your meal? Excellent. This bistro represents the. Fr- like, is this a yeah, woman? Yeah, they're two women. Oh talking my to, god! Two, two women talking to each other. Um, Excellent. Oh yeah, she's an old woman. That works. This bistro represents the first major step in the revitalization of Metro- Metropolis's historic hub bay. Do you think the redevelopment project can change the public persona of this area known as suicide slums? If the meal was any indication, I'd say absolutely. And how about it, Brody? What do you think about the bestest food? It was the bestest biscotti I had in my whole life. The journalist left. The governor kisses her son's head and hugs him, and turns back to the camera. Okay, I gotta find that voice again. Yeah, it's old woman lady. Yeah. I want Metropolis to know that there. There's no danger in Hobbs Bay. Suddenly, across the street, the side of the building explodes. Raining debris on the crowd, the governor covers her son. Five cruelly masked thugs pour out from the hole in the building, opening fire and sending people running. Then the still-smoking blast hole, Deadshot, emerges, clad completely in silver and red. Featureless, save for the glowing red gun sight covering his right eye. The secret servicemen covering the governor draw their guns. Deadshot takes aim with his wrist revolvers and shoots the pieces from their hands. The ducks clear a path for their leader. The governor looks up to see Deadshot standing over her. This city will not bow down to terrorism any kind. Deadshot should be... Maybe not. He drops the governor and grabs the boy by the collar. But I'll show sure obey you well, won't you, Mom? Deadshot holds his wrist revolvers to the scared boy's head. A crimson laugh echoes out from behind his mask. Exterior Daily Planet building rooftop day. We, we still hear Deadshot's laugh, but from someone else's perspective. A super hearing perspective. A very familiar pair of red boots steps to the edge of the building, then steps off, disappearing in a flash of red. Exterior Hobbs Bay Street day. Sonic boom fills the air. Deadshot looks to thug number one. Tell me that was your stomach. High above, a streak of red descends to the rapid rate, rocketing into the pavement, leaving a hole in the ground. Oh, shit. 
The street behind them. The street behind their feet explodes, and the same red streak flashes past Deadshot, taking it, taking with it the boy in a blink of an eye. All immediate mobilize. Grab the broad and let's get out of here. The thugs grab the governor as the van screeches up. Exterior top of the building day. The boys sit down lightly on the roof. He opens his eyes, which then go wide. Before him stands Superman, 90s style, licking his hand. Mmm, spaghetti. You okay? Can we do that again? First, I gotta beat up the bad guys. My mom thinks you're cute. That's why I voted for her. Superman winks and leaps into the air, disappearing. Interior van day. The governor under Deadshot's gun. Thug number one revs the engine. Suddenly, through the windshield, Superman explodes up through the hood of the van, adorned in engine parts. Get out there and ventilate him. Exterior Hobbs Bay Street. Superman pulls himself from the van and hurls the engine at, the two, at two of the thugs. The remaining three open fire. Bullets bounce off Superman's chest. Exterior space somewhere over Earth. The skull ship sinks into our atmosphere. Interior skull ship. On the view screen, Brainiac and Elrond watch Superman fight the masked thugs. Do they all dress like this on the planet? That symbol on his chest. The symbol on his chest. It's the seal of scientific office. From Krypton. It's the Kryptonian. It can't be him. Kryptonians have never known to manifest above average strength or any vulnerability. Perhaps he derives his power from the Eradicator. I don't know. He's not wearing any technology. Get us to this Lex Luthor of Earth now. Cut to exterior house Bay Street Day. As bullets pounce off Superman's chest, the Man of Steel's eyes glow red. Two heat beams sear into the machine guns in the hands of one of the thugs. The gun glows red and the thug drops it. Superman repeats this with the remaining four thugs until they're all disarmed, waving their hands in the air to cool them, looking as if they're waving goodbye. Superman waves goodbye back at them, and then we hear him say, Hi, Boy Scout! Deadshot's POV through gun sights. Superman turns, his face falling into the crosshairs. Deadshot, holding the government, fires a single kill shot. Superman's head jerks backwards and pauses momentarily. When he brings his, his head forward, I guess is what I'm Yeah. We see a bullet caught in his teeth. He rocket spits the bullet out, which hits Deadshot's wrist revolver, throwing the villain's arm back and away from the governor. In a flash of red, Superman is in front of Deadshot, shaking his head. Look at your outfit. What is this? Gotham? He grabs Deadshot's wrist revolver, then finger flicks the villain in the head, knocking him out. People emerge from the bistro cheering as the terrorists are collected by the authorities. Superman dusts off the governor and nods at her. Madam Governor! No, where, where, oh, God, I gotta find the voice. I'm doing too many. Madam Governor! He disappears in a flash and a gust of wind then reappears. Actually, start over with that one. It's more of like like a sign-off. Madam Governor! Too, too big. Madam Governor! There you go. Your most important constituent. No, 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 I don't like it. Like, like mm. he's presenting something. Like, like your highness. Madam Governor, your most important constituent. There he is. The governor hugs her first, hugs first her son, then Superman. Hey, hey, thank you, Superman. 
Superman blushes slightly, rubs the boy's head, and walks away. He glances down at Deadshot's wrist revolver. Superman X-ray vision point of view. We first see the weapon, then through the weapon and into the contents that makes it tick. Zoom in on a microscopic serial number etched onto a tiny chip. Back to scene. Superman shakes his head and sighs. What a shock, Luther. The wrist revolver explodes in his hand. He drops it to the ground where it continues to burn. Exterior GBS building, night. Lex exits the building, flanked by Misty. Misty? I thought it was Mercy. Probably Mercy. Mercy, his gorgeous but lethal bodyguard. He holds an ice pack to his cheek. I can't believe that bitch tagged me. What do I pay you for? Then Jimmy Olsen shows up, out of breath. He looks at Lex, panting, then nods to Luther Shiner. Let's see. You got Jimmy, right? Um, I can. Let's see. Superman! That's a question. Superman! Lex seeds as Lois emerges from the building. It was the Joker, Jimmy. He's mad that Luther stole his act. I thought journalists were supposed to be impartial. I thought humanitarians were supposed to be human. Care to comment? Pithy to the last. Lex hurries to his limo. Pithy, who uses that word anymore? <laughs> Goddamn. <laughs> okay, well, this is going to be fun. Here, you are, here. And playing Jimmy is me now. <laughs> okay, we got to do like, childhood kid on a paper route. Chief wants you back at the planet, Miss Lane. Something big just broke out in Hobbs Bay. Okay, that sounds more like your IT in India <laughs> trying to be like Chicago. So you mean like a nerd? I was, I was going more like Paperboy kind of sounds. Uh, that's what I think Jimmy sounds like. Okay, well, like, watch. Here, okay, I'll, okay. Do the, I'll do it like... Superman? Okay, that works. Same. Alright. Okay. Chief wants you back at the planet, Miss Lane. Something big just broke out in Hobbs Bay. Superman? There it gone. They climb into the taxi that pulls up. Interior Lex's limo night. Lex puffs on a cigar, sipping brandy from a sniffner. He clicks on the TV news, which shows Superman in Hobbs Bay. Lex goes white hot and wide eyed with rage. Up front, Misty rolls her eyes. Misty. Exterior Lex, Lex Court building night. Lex exits his limo and marches bitterly towards the Lex Court building, followed by Mercy. It's Mercy. Misty is Mercy. Misty is Mercy. There's an equal sign there somewhere. Six months of planning and all for nothing. With Governor Bree in line, I could have taken back the city from that... that... alien. Interior elevator night. Metropolis sinking, shrinking behind him. Lex watches the digital numbers rise, seething. Then, the elevator stops abruptly. Miss Mercy catches Lex, setting him upright again. Suddenly, the hatch on the top of the elevator is ripped off, and a blue-clad arm reaches in, pulling Lex out. Interior elevator shaft. Superman holds Lex in his grip. Fifth floor, hair products. One of these days, you're gonna pa- they're going to pass that Werther Act, and then one of these nights, I'm going to be able to blast your pajama-clad ass out of the sky. Legally. Speaking of acts of violence, did you hear about the one about Hobbs Bay? See, this guy wants to get his anti-Superman bill passed, so he hires a few max goons to threaten the governor to speed the bill along. Maybe I should have been Superman. You should have been Lex. <laughs> Maybe. I think that might work better. Here. You just want to swap now? Here, swap. We'll go back. I'll do this line. Interior elevator shaft. Superman holds Lex in his grip. 
Fifth floor hair care products. One of these days, they're going to pass the word of the Mac. Then one of these nights, I'll be able to blast your pajama-clad ass out of the sky. Legally. Speaking of acts of violence, did you hear about the one about Hobbs Bay? See, this guy wants to get his anti-Superman bill passed. So he hires a few mass goons to threaten the governor to speed the bill along. <sighs> but here's the punchline. He got such a big ego... He demanded that a serial number from his company show up somewhere on the hardware. He provided his hired mercenaries, thus implementing him in the federal offense. Isn't that a gut buster? Lex arches his eyebrows slightly. Then a pissed Superman yanks Luther to him, bringing him face to face. I'm putting you behind bars. No proof. Loaded. Hardware with self-destructs. Triggered by the radiation waves of your X-ray vision. Superman glares at Lex, knowing he's right. Then maybe you should save the courts of Metropolis the time. Make myself the judge, jury. Superman hooks his foot under a bar of the elevator and starts towing the car up the shaft at an alarming fast rate. And especially executioner. Luther looks up. Luther's point of view, fast approaching the top of the shaft, jagged and deadly. If so much, if his head so much as touches it, he's a dead man. Lex panics at the top of the shaft getting closer. Superman nonchalantly checks the nails of his free hand. The ceiling getting closer. Lex jams his eyes shut. Then Superman stops, thus stopping the car as well. Luther's head is a half an inch from the nasty spike. He opens his eyes slowly, looking from the spike to Superman. You're hardly worth the effort. He drops Lex, disappearing in a burst of red. Exterior space. The skull ship slips into the Earth's orbit menacingly. Exterior daily planet building night. The globe spins atop of Metropolis's once largest skyscraper. Lex built his bigger. All the windows arc dark, are dark except one. And through it, we see Lois. Interior daily planet city room. Night. See, now it's easy because you don't have to do Lois and Superman. <laughs> yeah. Lois, alone in her desk, types on her laptop. In the midst of tapping, her fingers creates... Uh, against the keys, another pitch of tapping joins in. Ting, ting, ting. Lois spins around to see Superman floating outside the window. Superman? Evening, Miss Lane. Late night. I'm just filling my piece on Hobbs Bay. Nothing bit of work. Nice bit of work there. Superman flies in, settles down beside the desk. The nameplate says Clark Kent. Mr. Kent's desks. This is Mr. Kent's... Dishedly immaculate workstation. I call it Smallville Central. He's not around tonight. Thankfully, no. If I had to withstand Clark Kent's day and night, I'd be at my therapist twice a week as opposed to one. Doesn't take super senses to detect a little friction there. Not a fan of Mr. Kent, Miss Lane. Clark's clock, you know. He's great and all, but don't get me wrong, but he's kind of a deadly do-right. It's hard for me to read to a man like that. Uh, and why is that? Nom, nom, nom. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Lois looks him dead in the eyes. The costume, nom, nom, nom. The costume Adonis <laughs> gives it back as good as she's given it. Lois slams down the lid of her laptop and stands up. Well, Superman, I'm not into all that Kansas Boy Scout babble. I'm kind of a woman who likes a man in tights. And Lois plants one on Superman, long and passionate. 
Superman breaks the kiss and steps back. Miss Lane, I have something to tell you. He pulls Clark glasses from his cape and slips them on. I'm really Clark Kent. Lois goes wide-eyed and faints. Superman rushes forward and catches her. Then she opens her eyes and shakes her head. Really, Clark? Must we go through this every night? <laughs> Shall I tell you otherwise, bitch? <laughs> no. You will take the super sperm. That's, that's not it here. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. We might have to. Well, we're... Yeah, of course we're going to edit this. <laughs> this might as well just be called Randy Edits. This. <laughs> Randy Edits. <this. laughs> just a little bit. They kiss. He brings her back to her feet. Nice job with the bad guys, babe. I was proud of you. Smallville Central. Who calls it that? Try everybody, Clark. Even Jimmy. I'll beat that little shit the next week. That's not in there. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I loaned that kid 20 bucks last week. Ungrateful slacker. How about dinner? Not Burger King again. Let's just eat at my place. Oh, Dine at the Y. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Why, Miss Lane? You underestimate me. I was thinking of a more monumental dinner. Like my, <laughs> like my vagina. <laughs> That's not in here, but I'm sure. <laughs> um, I'll be sure to shave my legs tonight with kryptonite. <laughs> That's disgusting. <laughs> Look, freshly bloody, just me. <laughs> that's that's gross. Cool. So that's the first twenty minutes of Kevin Smith's Superman Lives script. Not bad so far, right? Oh yeah, I get to strain my voice, and I'm thinking maybe next time we try this, we we get a couple more people, just a few more, maybe some girls, so that way we don't have to do this. Okay. Actually, if we do this again, I know two that might actually join us and actually want to be on the podcast too. I guess as long as they have two, you know, you have your high and you have your low, so, so oh, that's yeah. two, that's four people, and I can stop being like Superman and all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I'll stick the Brainiac in. I liked your Brainiac. It did sound like James Bader. I need to find the script from Age of Ultron to get you to read like those parts from James Bader. Like, okay, I can do that. That'd be awesome. All right. So The, mo- the most versatile element in the world, and they made a Frisbee out of it. Do I look like Tony Stark? Do I look like Iron Man to you? <laughs> Do I look like Tony Stark? <laughs> Do I look like Tony Stark? Do I look like Iron Man to you? No. So, you want to wrap it up? Yeah. Hey, this is John. And this is Randy. And this has been Dogfin Radio.